My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Geraldine McManus. Line 3, a tar sands pipeline that belongs to the corporation Enbridge, runs 1,700 kilometers from Hardesty, Alberta, to the town of Superior in Wisconsin. It originally came into service in 1968, but in a multi-billion dollar project, the aging pipeline is being replaced by a new pipeline that will allow the capacity along the route to expand by 375,000 barrels per day. The Line 3 project has received all necessary approvals from both U.S. and Canadian regulatory authorities and is currently under construction. Line 3 has received far less media attention than many other tar sands pipelines, but given the urgency of the climate crisis and the risk of spills and the harms they do to land and water, indigenous and environmental groups have been actively opposing the project, perhaps more actively in the U.S., but in Canada as well. Geraldine McManus is a two-spirit Dakota woman of the Bear Clan. She has a long history of involvement in standing up for justice. Along with many other things, she took part in land struggles in British Columbia in the 1990s, in the Winnipeg component of the National Wave of Actions targeting Indigenous and Northern Affairs Canada offices a couple of years ago, and in the land defense camp at the Standing Rock Reservation in the U.S. protesting the Dakota Access Pipeline in 2016. At the moment, McManus's relentless work for justice has led her to be the driving force in the spirit of the Buffalo Camp, a prayer camp in rural Manitoba on the U.S.-Canada border, quite close to the geographical center of North America, and right on top of where Enbridge's Line 3 pipeline runs. Inspired by the lessons of Standing Rock, and by a spiritual call to take this action, she and some supporters initially set up the camp in the summer of 2018. The company claims that the camp is not, in fact, blocking any work that is necessary for their Line 3 expansion project. McManus concedes that this may be the case, though she is far from certain. One key piece of evidence that she may actually be blocking necessary work came as the weather turned cold in the fall. There was some discussion among supporters about whether to continue the camp, but as its sole full-time resident, the decision rested with McManus. Originally, she thought that maybe she would leave, and as part of that process, they took down the teepee that was part of the camp. As soon as that happened, though, she noticed a distinct uptick in the presence and activity of Enbridge personnel near the camp. That was part of what inspired her to stay and to work with her support team to winterize the camp. Regardless of whether or not the camp is serving as a blockade, McManus feels that it is doing important work. Given that it is an action that she has taken under a call from spirits and from ancestors, she is comfortable not being able to clearly predict its impacts. She also feels that the act of a Dakota person reclaiming a little piece of Dakota land as part of the opposition to the pipeline is, in any case, a powerful one. And she sees an important component of all land defense camps, hers included, as being the ways in which they can become a center and a focus for education and dialogue. For her, among the most powerful impacts of the Standing Rock camp 
was how it brought together people of many different nations and many different cultures, providing a way for them to act for a common purpose in defense of the earth, and allowing for non-indigenous people to learn from indigenous peoples. McManus's current goal for the spirit of the Buffalo Camp is for it to shift into a more explicitly educational mode under the banner of becoming the Environmental Injustice Education Lodge. There are already plans for allies in Winnipeg to bring groups of students and other youth to the camp in the new year to learn from McManus. While donations to support that work and the camp more generally are welcome, she encourages people around North America to get involved in whatever energy justice or environmental justice work is happening in their local communities. Most of all, she encourages people to visit any land defense camps that are happening near where they live, to sit with the land defenders, to eat with them, to speak with them, to learn from them. I speak with McManus about Enbridge's Line 3 tar sands pipeline and about the spirit of the Buffalo camp. My name is Geraldine McManus. I'm the main organizer of the Spirit of the Buffalo Camp that's out parked in the middle of Canada and the U.S. I was born looking and fighting for justice for Indigenous people. Since I was a young girl, I've always spoke about injustices, about things that we need to look at as the original people of this land. I've been involved in all kinds of activism. I represented Manitoba as one of the youngest Native entrepreneurs back in the early 90s. When I lived in BC, I walked with the natives of BC on land issues in the early 90s as well. So I started years ago when I was young, taking interest in really what are we looking at for Indigenous people to move ahead and progress without having to give up who we are and without having to give away any more of what we have left in our lives, such as culture and language and our land. My father was Bear Clan, and I'm Bear Clan, and a part of the Bear Clan is to seek justice for the people or to keep an eye on the injustices that are going on. Also, being born a two-spirit person, I was always mediating for people, members of my family, members of community, and standing up for whatever it was that I felt that was the right thing to stand up for. So this has been my whole life doing this. I was with the group who shut down INAC here a couple of years ago in Winnipeg. I stood with all the people across Canada in regards to trying to get more federal funding for our Indigenous youth who are committing suicide because I myself have lost a lot of people to suicide. A couple of sisters, my two nieces, took their lives a few years back. These are issues that all plague our communities. And I think that all of this throughout my life, living as an Indigenous woman in the city growing up with the racism, Listening to people with a tremendous lack of understanding as to who we are as people, something my mother encouraged me was to never ever to forget who I am as an Indian, that it was important to always be proud and to stand up and look at people in the eye when I walked down the street. And I think my mother pointed out the importance of myself staying in that place, that place of love for myself, that place of respect for myself, that place of respect for my people. Throughout my life, I've always educated people on exactly who my people were because I worked in the white world my whole life and had come across a lot of different types of racism. There's a lot of reasons behind why our people are in the state they're in right now, and I think the majority of it has to do with extreme racism. It's the extreme hatred for my people that's been going on on Turtle Island for 500 years, and we can't seem to shake that hatred. One of my jobs as a Dakota person, I'm reminded by my auntie that we're to do things in a good way. 
So I fight for now, and I think I stand up for the idea that we've got to pray and, and try to do things in a better way and a good way and try and not focus so much on the hate and the anger and the lack of education and the lack of understanding, but to now try focus on how we can bring people together in protecting the environment. Me taking this land, I took it back for many reasons. I sit on it for many, many reasons, you know, to bring awareness to people, to bring understanding of who are we as the original people. I think society thinks they know who we are, but I don't think they really do. And I think now that we have this internet, that helps because we get to get our points across. We get to say what we want to say. We get to say the truth now. And whether people believe it or not, well, that's up to them. But I think we see the truth being told out there and we see people's minds changing. We see it with our allies that come and support us when we do these camps and we see it and feel it in our allies' hearts when they come and they sit with us and talk with us. And now we get tobacco brought to us. You know, long ago, that very seldom ever happened where a white person would come to you and offer you tobacco and in the right way. And now that I see that happening, I feel that we're making headway here a little bit. These camps are about a lot of things, if you think about it. When I was over at Standing Rock and one of the organizers and one of the elders over there, I got to see firsthand how the reconciliation is happening. The process is happening. Well, a lot of people go, oh, there's not going to be any reconciliation. Yeah, there is. Because if you look at these camps, what's going on in those camps? That's a bunch of nationalities coming to learn about us firsthand, talking with the Indians firsthand at these camps, sitting down with us at the fire, eating with us, asking questions that, you know, have been going on in people's minds for however long. And these are the things we need to do. Sit down, talk, eat together, talk together, talk. How are we going to change the future together? So I think that whatever ancestors are doing here with me, it's a pretty incredible thing. And I guess the biggest thing is I'm on top of a pipeline. The lodge sits right on top of the pipeline. It's 23 feet below where I sit in the lodge. And I think it's good for people to come in there and sit and think about why is it that this particular time we need to pay attention to climate action and what are the things that we can all do in regards to environmental issues. And hear firsthand from a person originally from this land, because where the wigwam sits is right on traditional Dakota territory. And I discuss the Dakota territory and I talk about all different kinds of issues surrounding that and why I can sit there in Dakota territory and say that, uh, you know what, I'm reclaiming old traditional land, maybe a little spot, a little spot of land, but that in itself means a lot to our people when we get back a little bit of what was ours so, so long ago. What's the territory like in general? And also, what specifically is your camp like? I'm set up right on the prairie. I'm right in the smack dab middle of two Monsanto fields. I'm on a very small dirt road that was made approximately 90 feet across from the center. That road comes up in between United States and Canada. It's up high. It's higher up on the plains, so I get all the extreme winds. I get extreme heat there, and now probably will be extreme cold. I'm in the center of the four winds. If you look on the grid, we're exactly in the center of North America, where I'm sitting. 
I think I'm off by two degrees, but I'm sitting right on the 49th parallel, right in the center of North America. And also to the original people of this land, it's called the heart of Turtle Island. There's a lot of stuff that will come out of the heart of Turtle Island to our understanding. And what's going to come out of the heart of Turtle Island is what's necessary for many people. There's a lot of things I'm working on to create and to keep building the momentum on these issues because there's a lot of things that we have to look at and understand and educate on. And I think that's a part of what I'm doing in the wigwam is starting that push towards education and understanding of all of why we start camps. Why do we do the things we do? Why did we go to Standing Rock, many of us? And not just Indigenous people. Why did every other nationality come out to Standing Rock? Because they were spiritually called. That's something that a lot of people don't understand, that many of us are spiritually connected. And that's not just Indigenous people, that's every nationality that's spiritually connected. And the more and more of us are waking up and hearing that call to protect the land, to protect the water, to protect what this earth provides for us. We live on a world that provides us everything we need. It's humans that are taking and destroying what Mother provides for us. I think these camps are important to be set up, and I think it's important for people to come to a camp and gather peacefully and talk about these things and figure out how we can do things and then get back out to our territories and go and do them. That's what I learned from Standing Rock, being out there and protecting my territory, because traditionally that's my territory. That's where my grandmothers are both Dakota, and so I'm doing for my grandmothers what I'm doing for my grandchildren. I'm protecting the land and hoping that there will be a better and safer future for my people. Talk more about Line 3. What is it and why are you opposing it? Line 3 is one of the most devastating pipelines because the oil extraction in Alberta is the dirtiest oil. It's extremely toxic, extremely harmful to environment. This particular crude oil that's going through Line 3 is extremely much more harsher in corroding the pipes than the previous oil because of all of the sand and the bitumen in it. So that's why they made the pipes bigger and they made them a little bit thicker. But however, that is not going to stop the corrosion. That's why we're going to see more and more breaks, which means more and more of the proposed pipeline route will be damaged by oil that will be leaking through these pipes. It's not a matter of will it break, it's a matter of when will it break. And they will break. And Enbridge has been known for hiding these these horrific environmental disasters from the public. It's been active people who are water protectors and land protectors who are getting out there, who are documenting these things. It's really important for us to keep an eye on and be vigilant of these pipelines. It's only our people who will find these breaks and document them and put them out in the public to say, look, now that we've got a big cleanup job here and we need to enforce the idea that Enbridge has got to put more effort into these cleanup jobs. And as it goes, I mean, once something spills, that's it. Putting these lines underneath the Red River, which is the river that provides the water for this area, which is the town of Gretna, the town of Altona, Winkler, Morden, and Roseau River Reserve. The Red River that this pipeline goes under provides the water for all of these places which surround me where I am on the border road. So if this pipeline goes under a river that provides water for the large majority of the people in the area and we know these pipelines break, then should we not care about this? 
when I came home, they were talking about Pipeline 3, but there was no camp. There was no recognizable kind of support around what are we going to do about this pipeline. So that's why I came out here. But I didn't know where I was coming to. It was ancestors that guided me to this pipeline. It was the ancestor that showed me to block both sides of this pipeline on this road. This is all a very spiritual thing. Like in many camps, it's very spiritual. Standard Rock was extremely spiritual. And why I'm here is all spiritual. I was brought to the road by a spiritual force, blocked the road. So I sit on the road and this pipeline, I came to stop it. I've been told that I'm not in the right spot to stop anything. And I realized that. But for whatever reason, it turned into what it's turned into. Ancestors have an incredible way of getting you to do something and kind of turn it into a lot of other things, I'm finding. And so I'm praying on top of this pipeline that if it does go through, that it doesn't harm the water, that it doesn't harm animals, that it doesn't harm humans. I'm not going to say I'm going to stop it. I'm not going to say I'm not going to stop it. I don't know where I stand in that. All I know is I need to be here. I need to sit on top of this line. I need to pray on top of this line. And people come out and get educated about all of these things. I don't have all the answers because sometimes when spirit sends you somewhere to do something, it's not you. It's them who are trying to get people to understand why are they getting me to do this? You know, why are ancestors having me sit there and do what I'm doing? So the pipeline is just going to be so destructive along its path route that I don't know how we would ever bounce back from spilling this oil throughout and across Turtle Island. And I think that we're going to find out in the end. I hate to say that we would have to have a lot of oil spills in order for us to learn more. I would hate to see that a lot of water and land and animals and plants are going to be destroyed in order for us to have to learn. And I think this has been going on far too long. And we have by far yet not have seen the majority of the destruction that this has caused. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff out there that's been hidden throughout the 50-some-odd years that these pipelines have been going through our territories. How did the spirit of the Buffalo camp get started? The process was just to find a spot that we felt was right. I was drawn there by spirits. Over a four-day period, I had prayed on it, and they had showed me exactly where to go and where to set up. Like I said, this was all new to us. This was just a farm road that goes around the fields. So we just set up and never really had an extreme plan, so to speak. It was just kind of, okay, well, we have to sit somewhere. And it just so happened to be they were there in that field on the American side digging a hole. So this is the thing. We found there was supposed to be a pumping station where I am, but they moved it. They moved that pumping station, but that hole is still open sitting in the ground there. And they won't close that hole up next to me where my camp is. So I've been saying all along to everybody right from the get-go, why are they leaving a big hole in the ground? And they covered it with a pipe and they put the dirt on it and there's this big mound there next to me. So we found a map that said there was supposed to be a pumping station right where I am. But there is no pumping station where I am, just that big hole in the ground about 20 feet away from the camp on the American side. So I don't know what that's about. And I don't know if they're waiting for me to leave to do whatever work they have to do on that hole. But they're really pissed off at me because uh, I can tell in the behavior from the townspeople, the people that work, you know, Alberta, a guy in a red truck with Alberta plates came out last week and took pictures of the camp, made a motion of a gun firing at me. 
So I have to wonder, if I'm sitting in a spot that Enbridge doesn't care about, why are these people coming out and doing this to me? Either way, I don't feel that we are done with making a point and educating people in this area. I don't think we're done with the reconciliation that needs to be done in this area because there's an extreme amount of hate towards the original people of the land here. And I think that that needs to be addressed. The whole camp has just become a lot more than what I ever thought it would be. And like I said, we had never made any real plans as to what this camp was going to particularly do. It was just kind of something that a lot of us felt that we needed to do. And so we did it. And it's just been going the way it's going. And it's just became stronger by community people coming together community people from Gretna and Altona and Roseau River and Winnipeg people. The longer I stayed out there, the more people realized that this work is not done, that we still have a lot of work that we need to do. And I understand that back in November, you had to decide whether to winterize the camp and stay out there. Yeah, we built a wigwam because we took down the teepee and the minor tent. And that's when I noticed Enbridge coming around the moment I did that. Like they saw me packing up and leaving. So they were just eager little beavers trying to move in. And I caught that play and said, well, maybe we need to stay. But I had to come up and make that decision because I'm the main person at the camp all the time. Nobody could make that decision to stay except for me. So when I seen Enbridge coming around as swiftly as they were as I was taking the camp down, because I was thinking about going home, you know, and getting back to my life, or at least created one. (laughs) And the way they played their hand kind of made me realize that I think they were anxiously waiting for me to leave. And I'm wondering, why are you waiting for me to leave when you guys said the pipeline's in, there's nothing going on? I said to the community members that were coming out to the camp, I said, well, you know, these guys are coming out like as if they're anxious to get on top of this space where we're at. And so everybody pulled back together and said, well, no, we can't have that. And bam, bam, boom, we started building the wigwam and got that up. Who have you been working with around all of this and who's been supporting you? biggest supporters is a couple from Gretna, Sandra and Peter Reimer were my biggest supporters out there. But I'm working with, and I sit on the board for Manitoba Energy Justice Coalition. Those are my big supporters. They take care of all the funding and the donations, and they do a lot of stuff in Winnipeg and around Manitoba in regards to the energy justice, in regards to the hydro impacts and this Pipeline 3. There is definitely a lot of energy justice coalition sites that are going up around Turtle Island, and they're all connecting up. And these are the groups that are saying, like, we need to find justice for the environment now before it's too late. And I think that that's really important. And they do need Indigenous-led camps and projects such as this one that we're doing now for Manitoba, because we need to discuss, you know, all the issues at hand. These pipelines and these destructive corporations that are hurting a lot of things, such as our food and our water. So we need to address all of these things. These things are very important. And I think if you have the opportunity to get it to a camp, then please do and support us and help us to raise awareness and help us to educate around, you know, what are the long-term effects and what are we going to be looking at in the near future and far into the future? And what can we do as humans now to help ourselves? Because basically, that's what this is about. It's about humans helping themselves for a better future. We are all deers in headlights right now because we see it coming. And we're all standing there looking at it and not knowing what the heck should we really do about it. Well, I think as human beings, we're smart enough to figure this out. 
If there are people who are listening and want to support what you're doing in particular, or want to support the broader issues and struggles that you've been talking about, what would you recommend that they do? Well, what I'd recommend you do is to start supporting the camps, support the educational aspect of what's coming out of this, support the energy justice coalitions that are starting up around in your communities. Get out there and defend the land, defend, you know, what it is that you think is right. Stand up. Speak out. Don't believe everything the government says to you, because I hate to break this news to the rest of society, but what the government has done to the indigenous people of this land, of Turtle Island, they are doing now to everybody. You just have to pay attention and look at what they are doing. And it is projected at us all. It is not just projected at the original peoples of this land anymore. We are all in jeopardy. We are all being taken advantage of. We are all being taken to the cleaners. We are being sucked from our taxes to buy into these horrible, destructive corporations that in the end, it is not there for us, the regular people. It is there for the few chosen people who make a ton of money off this. And they don't think nothing of the people and they stomp on us. They care nothing about our grassroots people. People should be aware of these things and people should wake up and people should do their research now and find out what's going on around you. And please trust us Indigenous people that we do know what we're talking about. We've been here for thousands and thousands of years and we understand what it's like to live with this land and to want to be a part of this land and how that can really make you spiritually stronger and put you in a much more mindful, considerate place than the way the world is pushing us now. What are your plans for Spirit of the Buffalo Camp in the new year? Spirit has shown me that the camp has become much more. What they showed me in the vision was to name it the Environmental Injustice Educational Lodge is the words that they showed me. So basically, this is just the start, the prelude to, I think, something that we have to look at more. And that's getting educated on absolutely everything. I'm working on presentations to teach in this lodge and to show people exactly what we're talking about and what we're looking at. These are the things that we have to be educated on because we're not getting educated in a lot of ways in the universities and the regular educational systems. The regular educational systems teaches you to be an employee for the most part, and it doesn't teach you to be a conscious leader. And I think that's something that's really important for us to become conscious leaders out there and to think of ways to help the environment and to reuse what we've already put out there in our land waste and the way that we're polluting the water, the way that the glyphosate is running off the Monsanto fields and the water that's getting tainted by the fracking. These are things that we need to look at. These are things that we need to educate people on so that they can find better ways and come up with ways to combat these things in the future. That's where our education has to be kind of focused on, and that's something that I'm going to focus this entire lodge on is focusing on that educational aspect. And so that's what I'm working on, and that's where we're going to be going with this lodge. We're going to head forward and move into a whole new era of what and how we can look at the future in a better, more productive, positive way. You have been listening to my interview with Geraldine McManus about the spirit of the Buffalo camp in rural Manitoba and about her opposition to Enbridge's Line 3 tar sands pipeline. To learn more about the camp, search for Spirit of the Buffalo on Facebook. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Thank you.